0: You all know I I love comic books and I love superheroes, but I have to admit something. I want it to be over and done with. I do. I'm tired, boss. <laughs> Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of Stay Watchin'. As always, I'm your host, Larry. This week on the podcast, um, almost as in contradiction to the last episode, uh, where I talked about uh, Martin Scorsese's comments uh, about the Marvel movies, comparing them to theme park rides and kind of this idea that the sanctity of cinema has somehow been besmirched um i wanted to just kind of have an episode where i talk about my feelings on kind of where comic book and superhero entertainment is at right now um and you know i i don't want to focus this just on the movies that we're getting because I think a lot of this for me also is is what's going on with the, the TV side of things. Um, and this isn't just like a, a Marvel specific issue. I think DC has this issue as well as, you know, some of the some of the third-party comic publishers when their properties get adapted. So I really just wanted to kind of talk about where I'm at um, and some of the conversations that have kind of led me to wanting to record this podcast. I know this isn't technically gonna be one of those you know, some people are probably going to disagree with with my opinion here, uh, but that's what this is all about. This is this is a place for me to kind of share where my thoughts are at and, and what I'm thinking about in terms of the entertainment that I'm I'm intaking. And you know, for me, superhero media has been a lot of it. So buckle up. I'm going to share some thoughts, and I'll be right back. So over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, you you heard me record an episode about Joker, and then you heard me record an episode about Martin Scorsese and his comics about, comments about comic book and superhero movies, and you know a lot of a lot of stuff has been going on. So uh, in the last week, uh, we found out that Joker is now the top-grossing R-rated film of all time, which is which is pretty awesome. You know, it it took the throne from Deadpool Two. Which had taken the throne from like Deadpool, and you know there's some other other great films on there. Like The Matrix was on that list, um, and the the remake of it, which I know people are kind of mixed on, but I, I I think the the first chapter of the new It franchise did a did a pretty good job. Uh, I remember really enjoying it when my family and I went to see it. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but one of the things that we also learned was that. Joker is as profitable a film as Avengers Endgame. And, you know, one of the things that I posted on Facebook after learning this information and kind of seeing it posted by a a few different media outlets was, you know, I really wonder what lessons are going to be learned from that film. Because, you know, if you don't remember on the podcast episode, it's, it's one of those things where I I personally feel that movie is fine but I under you know I, I don't rave about it I don't necessarily hate it um, but I do understand you know why people have such a reverence for it um, and you know why people have such a reverence for something like the Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy they see stuff like Joker and like Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy as being the kind of this more realistic, less CG, less fake uh, rendition of superheroes, you know, and, and I'm not saying that it's just like kind of like just the the edgy stuff. Um, I think that's one of the things that, you know, I'm, a, I'm afraid of some of these studios taking away from something like the Joker. It's like, you know, our comic book cinema doesn't necessarily need to be hard R. Um, it doesn't need to be you know, dark, gritty, ser- serious all the time. Um, but finding a way to introduce a little bit more reality into what we're seeing could be something that that radically benefits a lot of these series that we love. I mean, you know, as much as I enjoyed going on, you know, that 10 years of Marvel ride, you can go back and listen to past, past episodes of the podcast where I talk all about my excitement around the Marvel films. Um, and I'm not saying that I no longer enjoy Marvel films. Like, don't worry about that. I will still probably always enjoy them to a degree. Um, but I, I do feel like I'm starting to feel that sentiment that people are talking about. Not necessarily that I am tired of comic book and superhero movies, but that I'm tired of the way that they are being produced currently. Um, and, you know, I, I've been sp- I obviously doing this podcast, watching a lot of movies. I think about film making a lot. I think about the stories that we're telling a lot. I think about production a lot, effects, all of those things. Um, and specifically with the Marvel films, you know, uh, my sister right now has been doing a re- rewatch of all of the Marvel films that have come out, you know, as part of the MCU, and so that's led to us having a lot of conversations about the films and me kind of reevaluating my stances and thoughts on a lot of those films. And what I came to in our latest conversation is the fact that I feel like and you know, again, like I it, this this might sound like a departure from where I have been in the past. If you've paid attention to a lot of what I've I've written and talked about here on the podcast, is I, I feel like what we have with Marvel is a few good films, a lot of mediocre films, and then some some bad films. Um, you know, and I think that's that's kind of an issue. You know, it's not. You know, I'm not going to side with. Um, you know, Scorsese or Coppola or any of the other directors that are like it's—it's it's ruining cinema and it's—it's it's ruining you know, kind of the vocabulary of you know people who are intaking films and movies. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think it's—I don't think it's destroying cinema as we know it. But the problem is, I think it is causing us to settle for in a lot of ways, subpar superhero material. Um, and this isn't just something that the movies suffer from. This also occurs on TV. So as a lot of, you know, you know, I used to be a really big fan of the CW DC superhero show. So, you know, I would week in, week out, watch, Arrow and the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. I never quite got into Supergirl. I didn't start watching Black Lightning yet, but I was a really big fan of of watching those shows. And even though they weren't perfect, you know, I kind of kept giving them my time. And over time, as I started to watch more media and take more time to you know kind of engage with different shows and things like that, all I kept feeling was like I was wasting my time. Like these were subpar shows with, you know, mediocre acting, mediocre effects, really poor storylines and some bad writing. And, you know, I think that's something where don't we deserve more. And I think that's something that the Marvel Netflix series, you know, tried to do. They tried to get to a place where we could take, you know, these superhero TV shows more seriously. But ultimately, you know, they kind of had the same problem as the Marvel movies where a lot of them were, you know, hey, we had one great, good to great series with um, Daredevil. Luke Cage, as much as I like the character and like a lot of what they did in their two seasons, I, I, it's not a perfect show. The first season of Jessica Jones was great. The second season was blah. I never even watched the third season. Iron Fist was a mess. The Defenders was kind of a mess. And, you know, we 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 invested a lot of time into those things. Um, oh, the Punisher. I forgot about the Punisher. I, I don't think I said the Punisher already. It's, it was fine. Um, you know, if that's what you were looking for, it was fine. Um, and I mean, I think that's that's kind of the weird part about it. It's like, when I was a kid, I would have loved to see all of this stuff and have access to all this stuff. I mean, that's part of why, you know, the, the Marvel cartoon series that were on when I was a kid were, were so great to me because it's like, all right, You know, I grew up loving comic books and as I was growing up reading comic books, I could also turn on Fox on Saturday mornings and I could see Spider-Man, you know, and I could see the Fantastic Four and I could see Iron Man um, with his weird mullet um, from the 90s. And you know, I could I could take in all of these superheroes. You know, we had great stuff like Batman the animated series, and then Superman the animated series, and Justice League, and Static Shock, and you know, it was it was kind of this this weird kind of golden age where we had access to all of these properties. They were done fairly well. Um, I would say more often than not, they were done well. I think the DC shows were superior to most of the Marvel ones, um, with the exception of probably. Spider-Man and and some of X-Men which I would say were kind of on par with some of those DC installments. Um, but it was one of those things where you know there was a certain level of quality that those things had and even though there were reused animations and things like that on, on on some of the programs, you know I couldn't complain too much because they were doing such a good job. And when I go back and watch those shows today, for the most part I still feel that they hold up. I still feel that they are telling Good, interesting stories. You know, on the Marvel side, there's a bit of melodrama with a lot of the shows, but I'm not even gonna really complain about that because it's still better than a lot of the acting that we might be getting in their kind of TV outings now. Um, and again, this isn't to this isn't to poo-poo any of the actors or you know producers or creative folks who are working on these things. It's just like kind of what I'm feeling right now, um, and so. I I've been kind of reflecting a lot on that. And, you know, as I've been talking with my sister about her rewatch of the Marvel films, I I've started to think, and, and we had this really great conversation the other night about the Black Panther. And there was a, a, a bit of concern in my sister's voice as she brought it up to me. And it was just like, so the Black Panther... And I kind of answered because I knew where she was going and I was just like, it's not the best movie, you know? And as, as much as I, I enjoy the cultural moment that was the Black Panther, I, I think in kind of reflecting on a past podcast that I did about it and some of the things that I've, I've written about it in the past... I mean, I think there is validity in the fact that it is not the best movie. It's not necessarily that strong, you know, in terms of the way it's constructed. Um, you know, it's one of those films where I would argue that the the first half of the film is better than the, the second half of it. Um, essentially, once we get to the point where we kind of know where the action's going, it, it basically for me, it all falls apart after, um, Killmonger arrives in Wakanda, but that, that's a story for another day. We can kind of pick that movie apart, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's been plenty of people who've talked about the CG in that film falling apart. Uh, but just from a story perspective, you know, going back and looking at it, there are a lot of relationships that I enjoy in the film. There are a lot of performances that I enjoy in the film. There are a lot of sequences that I enjoy in the film. And that's something that I can say of almost all Marvel movies. You know, as I started to rethink my list of kind of the top Marvel movies, I found myself more thinking about, well, which movies actually have the sequences that I enjoy the most. And you know, again, it's not to say that all of the films are bad. I think some of them are still constructed very well. I think, I think Infinity War, um, is probably for me, the best constructed Marvel film after, you know, probably Iron Man one. Um, and, and I think the, the problem is, and a lot of people have talked about this in the past, it's like that, that Marvel formula that they started to use and, and just kind of rubber stamped onto all of their characters. And It's not necessarily a bad thing to have a formula, but everything has started to feel really iterative. And and what I mean by that is, you know, it's just, all right, you know, we're gonna have the same basic story for all of our characters. They're gonna go through pretty much the same struggle. We'll, We'll just kind of paint it with a different thing. Maybe this character is dealing with the loss of their home. This character is dealing with the loss of their memories. This character is dealing with the loss of their hands. This character is dealing with having a piece of shrapnel lodged in their heart, as well as, you know, very concerning daddy issues. This character is dealing with being a man out of time. And, you know, while technically they're all dealing with different things, it's really just a placeholder for this is a specific issue and they're all going to respond in the same way. They're going to have to fight something that represents that loss or that issue that they're dealing with. And again, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but what it ends up doing is all of those films end up feeling the same. And I think the other part of the problem for me is the fact that everything has to build up to this kind of greater whole you know, the idea that everything is connected while I enjoy that. And while that was exciting to see come together over 10 years, I think it's something that I would almost like to see them move away from, you know, when, when we did our Avengers Endgame, you know, podcast discussion and spoiler chalk, one of the things that I realized is like, I really wish Marvel would take some time away. Like I really wish they would stop producing movies for a while or just kind of shift the movies that they were producing, you know, why not give us some one shot content? You know, I think whether I love Joker or not, you know, doesn't matter how I I really feel about the film. One thing that I do enjoy about it, as long as they stick to this, is that it is this one shot property, you know, in comics, there's this idea of the one shot, you know, it might It might factor into the other stories that have been going on for the character, but oftentimes it is a self-contained story that does its own thing. And, you know, you can, you can take it or leave it, you know, with DC, it might be like the Elseworlds stuff. You know, it's, it's a way for us to have these single serving comic book stories that don't necessarily need to rely on five or six or seven or eight years of comic book movie storytelling you know just give us a single serving story that we can enjoy walk away from and say that we enjoyed you know make them smaller budget not everything needs to be you know this multi 100 million dollar behemoths that um you know are so unwieldy like i mean it's it's one of those things where you know, sometimes it might be important for us to work a little smaller and and tell a little smaller scale story. You know, I think that's part of you know some of the issues that we've been seeing. You know, one of the things that I talked about again with my sister the other day is just Spider-Man, and I've been having a lot of conversations online about Spider-Man and kind of how some of the issues that you know longtime fans of the character have been having with his portrayal in the MCU. So. One of the things about Spider-Man that's always been great is like, all right, he's a poor kid from the city who's like really making it work with what he has. He he doesn't have, he's not a millionaire like Tony Stark, or, you know, he doesn't have access to, you know, all of the best technology like Reed Richards, you know, so he's doing the best he can with his internship or his lab assistantship and being in school and all of these different things. And so basically giving him a rich surrogate father like Tony Stark removes a lot of that that kind of agency that the character has. You know, he's no longer allowed to be Spider-Man, who's aspiring to be the best neighborhood Spider-Man. He is training to be an Avenger. He's training to be Tony Stark 2.0. And even though in these films it's it's made abundantly clear, like he has to be his own hero they position him in a way where it's like, no, no, we want people to see you as potentially the second coming of Tony Stark. You're going to inherit all of these, all of your villains, all of your villains that had nothing to do with this guy in the comics now adamantly hate him. And he is their reason for existing. And you have to clean up that mess rather than having these characters be coming from their own situations or coming from situations that are directly related to the actions of Spider-Man. And so it like it really takes away a lot of what you kind of love about that character. And it's, it's challenging because as much as I love Spider-Man and I do like a lot of what they've been doing in these new films, I do have to agree with that sentiment because it's not necessarily the character that I fell in love with. It's not the character that I grew up you know, watching his his cartoon. It's not the character whose comics I, I grew up reading. It's a different character. And, you know, it's not to say that it's a bad interpretation, but like many things, I think it misses what a lot of us really loved about him. Um, you know, and, and so that's that's a challenge. I mean, there and, and again, like I know in the past, like I've talked a lot about, you know, making Spider-Man a kid again, and you know, how all of those things are beneficial. And, and I'm not saying that these things are, you know, two of these things can be true at the same time. Like I can think that they did a good job with, you know, kind of repositioning Spider-Man as this kid who's trying to figure things out. And I can also take fault with, at the fact that they decided to do this, you know, intertwine with the Iron Man storyline. I, I don't think those things have to be mutually exclusive in terms of how we look at this character. Um, one of the other things that I found myself thinking about a lot with this is, you know, again, so jumping over to the DC side of things and Joker and its success. Um, one of the problems that DC has kind of had from the outset, um, at least in this kind of new world order is, you know, while the Marvel movies were starting up, we were in the midst of, you know, the Nolan Batman trilogy that, which had started some years earlier. And so it set a specific darker, more realistic tone for the DC side of things. And, you know, I love the Nolan trilogy even though, you know, Dark Knight Rises doesn't necessarily, you know, end the way that you want it to, you know, in terms of of ending on a strong note for the series. I still think it is a really enjoyable movie and I tend to watch it almost every time that I come across it just because there's a lot that that I really enjoy about it. I you know people make fun of Tom Hardy's Bane all the time, but like Bane is one of my favorite things and Again, it's one of those things where they didn't quite stick the landing with that character because they, somewhere along the lines, they were like, let's let's throw a twist in there, and it just kind of ruined the character and their motivations. But that kind of set this tone for DC. So you have the Dark Knight, you have Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, you have uh, Snyder's Watchmen, um, which you know Watchmen is a dark story, and so the you know film adaptation of it is going to be a bit darker. But you know it. It didn't quite do what everybody wanted it to do. I still personally kind of really enjoy that film. I know it's not everybody's favorite, but I think that it does some things right. And maybe once I watch the new Watchmen television series, I will talk a bit more about the graphic novel and the movie and the TV show. Um, So I I think that's a topic all its own. But so with Nolan's framework of this darker, more realistic story, you know, darker, more realistic characters, coupled with Zack Snyder's approach with Watchmen, you see Snyder get tapped for man of steel and it's a more contemplative version of Superman. Not everybody likes it. It's a bit darker in tone, less hopeful, which, I understand why people have issues with that. I don't think it, again, I don't think it's a bad movie. Um, I haven't revisited it in a while. I, I definitely will, um, for a future episode of the podcast as well, but I think there are a lot of things that are good with it, but it, it started to kind of show this trend of, all right, well, while Marvel is doing kind of the bright popcorn munchy, you know, quippy humorous stuff we're going to be a bit darker, more, we're going to try to be more cerebral on the DC side. And so we get Man of Steel, we get Batman v Superman, which doesn't quite do it in the way that you want it to. They tap someone like David Ayer to do Suicide Squad. It doesn't quite work out. They scramble to try to remake this film. Uh, There's a lot of studio interference and you know, what it feels like constantly is that DC is just like, we have to go darker. We have to go edgier. Um, you know, even something like wonder woman, which I I think wonder woman does a pretty good job of balancing humor and seriousness. Again, it's a, all of these films for the most part have these weird third act issues that wonder woman is another film that has that same problem. Um, but even that, you know, they, they, they kind of stray too far into this kind of dark over seriousness. Um, But it doesn't necessarily have the realism of something like the Dark Knight trilogy to kind of offset the superhero-ness of it. And so it just, it feels weird where, you know, even though we have these characters that are supposed to kind of embody hope and everything like that, we don't necessarily get that from them, um, you know. And again, I know this is something that that people will disagree with me on, but it, it's something that kind of stands out, um, you know. But then you know we get stuff like you know Justice League, which one that movie is trash, but you know, clearly a different film was being made at the outset by Zack Snyder studio. Didn't like it. They changed some things. It became a bit sillier. You know, they tried to punch it up, make it a little bit more kind of humorous, like the Avengers was, and that didn't quite work for them either. You know, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why that didn't work. I don't care to go into all of them right now. Um, You know, but that's, that's a, that's a challenge that they were kind of dealing with. And so when you, yeah, and of course, like Aquaman comes out after that, it does really well. And like, that is the, probably what I would call the most Marvel like DC film, a lot more humor, a lot more action, um, a lot more kind of wild, huge CG set pieces. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a colorful, vibrant movie that I don't like, but did really well. Um, and again, it doesn't really have anything to say or, or, and it's not of interest. And so, you know, that gets us back to something like the Joker. So it's like when you bookend a lot of the more recent DC stuff with the dark Knight trilogy and Joker, it kind of starts to show you like, all right, you know, here are some comic book films that people are taking more seriously as films. Not saying that everything needs to be like this or be these, but is there a way to get us to a point where we have maybe a little bit less, you know, of all of these ultra budget, ultra huge uh, saga films, in terms of these superhero movies, I'm moving to more contained, smaller budget, more, I, I'm doing big air quotes, you can't see me, but more realistic stories. Like, would that, is that a solution for us? Is that a way to kind of combat this? You know, also the idea of not having three big Marvel movies come out in the year, you know, maybe we move to having one every two years, you know. It's like the the Star Wars problem. Like, all right, like absence makes the heart grow fonder. So we had such a long time without Star Wars, and then we had the prequels, and they were coming out basically one every two years, and you know that allowed you to build sufficient hype for them. And and whether they were the best or not, you know there was there was time to think about them and to you know digest what you had seen and and you know, begin that process of getting hype for the next one. And then you have the current Star Wars situation, which is borrowing from the Marvel situation, which was like, hey, let's put out multiple films in a year, or we'll put out a film between each film. And so you annualize Star Wars in this way that doesn't necessarily work because people need time away from it. People need time to reset. And so, you know with Marvel, especially right now, we're at this point where all right we're getting three of these gigantic films a year. And you know, again, for Disney, they're not going to stop doing this because all right, what all of the Marvel films made a billion dollars this year? Could be wrong about this, but you had Captain Marvel, you had Endgame, and you had Spider-Man, which was a sharing agreement with Sony, so they didn't make as much money on that. But you know, again, like those were all huge films. And they all did incredibly well. Um, but at the same time, are they too much? Like, I mean, you know, the the question that I had on the endgame episode of the podcast is kind of like, where do you go next? And you know, I had a lot of suggestions for characters that they could do and everything like that, but you know, really reflecting back on it, it's like I'm tired, like I need a break from it. Like I don't want to start up another saga. It's like you know, it's like comic books. Like sometimes when you, when you finish reading all of Civil War, which has its ups and downs, the comic book version, you know, it doesn't hold up as well as I remember it holding up, you know, but it usually makes me want a palate cleanser, you know, and I, I want to be able to take in something that's a bit different um, in order to, you know, kind of reset and then eventually get myself ready for that next saga, you know. But I take time. I take time away. I read other stuff. I I, t- I embrace other media. And I I wonder if that's really where we need to go with these comic book films. And that's not to say that all smaller comic book films are going to be good. I mean, look at what happened with the last Hellboy, um, which, you know, one could have been a great time, but they just kind of squandered it. You know, you look at stuff like, you know, what Fox at the time was doing with the X-Men films and, you know, they have a perfect out with Logan. They could have said goodbye to the X-Men series on such a high note. And then they released another awful movie and, worked on something that is unreleasable. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, is making money so important that we're going to keep flooding subpar material. And we're going to keep putting it out there when we really can be getting better crafted films for these characters that tell better stories in more interesting ways and don't cost studios, you know, all of this money to produce, you know, if nothing else, like, you know, like again, like I, I do have my issues with Joker. I recorded a podcast about it. You can read, you can hear all about it. Some of it is to do with some of the comic book elements that were contained in the film that I don't believe needed to be there. You know, mainly like, I don't think they needed so much of the Batman mythos in the film. Um, I think if it were more disconnected, it would have been, it would have been a stronger piece of, of cinema or <laughs> stronger film. Um, but again, smaller budget, practical, not a whole lot. I mean, yes, I, I know there are a ton of effect shots in that, that film, you know, they like everything is a ton of effect shots nowadays. Um, but it doesn't have full CG characters. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to de-age anybody. It doesn't have massive blue light shooting from the sky fights or anything like that. Why can't we tell smaller stories like that? You know, where we, we have room for it. Why don't we try it? And, you know, I, I think to a degree, that's where i would really like to see us go. You know, again, not to say that we're going to completely do away with our big budget superhero films. We're going to keep those. We're going to keep putting them out. But in between, you know, every couple of years, we're going to give you a smaller one-shot story that doesn't build up to something else that you can just enjoy on your own and really, you know, does the genre justice. You know, because that's what it is at the end of the day. Like the genre itself is is dealing with a lot of crap. There's a lot of crap comic book superhero movies that come out, and I think that's a lot of the reason why, even though they still make money, they're not taken as seriously as they should be. And Marvel TV is going to perpetuate a little bit of that. I mean, you know, how many TV shows did they announce? And as excited as I might be for some of them, as much as I want to see some of them, I know that it's just—it's just adding fuel to this 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 problem um, that they kind of can't get away from. Because, all right, now in order to go into this next set of films, I probably have to watch these TV shows, and so it's kind of created this ecosystem that you have to take in so much information, and so much of it is subpar just to kind of find enjoyment in and spot the Easter eggs in and, you know, work your way through these films. So, you know, again, I'm not saying that I'm not going to continue to go and support these films because I do still enjoy the theater experience of going to see them, but I think I will be much more critical critical in the way that I talk about these films going forward. I, I mean, I think that's really important for me. I think I'm, I'm really starting to take off the rose colored glasses of being a superhero fan. And, and I really want to engage with this material in the way that I always should have, you know, like, I, I feel like I have always been giving these films a pass, you know, cause it's like, I was a kid, I never thought I would see this stuff done this well let me be excited about it. And and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be excited for it. I'm not saying that we can't be excited for it. I think we should be, but I think we also should hold these projects to a higher standard, expect more from them, expect better storytelling from them, expect better filmmaking from them and expect them to take us as an audience more seriously and respect us more. and to not overwhelm and oversaturate the market, um, you know. What I mean, I think that's that's a big piece of it. And again, I know a lot of this isn't going to change unless our media consumption habits change. But you know, this is just kind of my plea. This is what I hope for, and I hope we see it. <laughs> So those are my thoughts on kind of my uh, my superhero movie tiredness or superhero entertainment tiredness. I didn't even get into talking about video games because there aren't enough good superhero video games to talk about these days. Um, like Spider-Man was fun and the Arkham games were fun, but what other characters have a recent game that's worth talking about. That's a whole nother issue that, that I think we need to kind of address and figure out. Um, but you know, let me know your thoughts. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Hit my comments with your thoughts. Um, you know, hit me up on social media at Larry Tron pretty much everywhere. If you want to send me an email, it's Larry at LM2 photo.com. I really want to hear what you, think, um, you know, how you would respond either to myself or just kind of generally where superhero cinema is at, uh, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be bringing back, uh, some of my Mondays at the movies, uh, reviews. I know you've missed those. Um, uh, I actually only didn't do a couple of them, but a uh, couple of movies that are coming out soon. And and not all of these episodes will necessarily be Mondays at the movies. Some of them might be just regular episodes of the podcast. Um, like I'm going to be talking about Terminator: Dark Fate and kind of the Terminator series as a whole and my relationship with it. That's going to be coming up soon. Um, I'm at the time of recording this. I am going to be going to see Doctor Sleep soon, and so. I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, revisiting The Shining, which I did earlier this year, um, at a screening of the 4k remaster, as well as, uh, kind of watching a story continue in the form of Dr. Sleep, having not read the book, The Shining or the book, Dr. Sleep. So, um, take that how you will. We also have a lot of great stuff coming out, like uh Parasite is gonna be coming out soon, and um, you know, a movie that I'm like cautiously interested in seeing Harriet is gonna be coming out soon. So I will definitely have some episodes sharing my thoughts on those films coming up. Um, most of them release at the this week at the time that I'm recording this, or or I will be seeing at the time I'm recording this. So it will be interesting to see how I can cram everything in. Um, but I will keep you posted on that. Um, and so as I've been telling you for the entire summer and now well into the fall, like, can you believe at the time that I'm recording this, it's the day before Halloween. I know I'm dating this podcast. You can still listen to it. Actually more than likely you haven't even, you've turned it off before you've even gotten to this section unless you haven't, which if you haven't, I really love you. I want you to know that you're great. Um, it's almost November, and that's just wild to me. It's almost November. I've I'm almost at like fifty something episodes of podcast, um, counting the old LM two talk stuff, which I I, I don't discount. Yeah, no, I know I really loved doing that version of the show. I like doing episodes like this where I can bring that back, where it's not all just pure review or talking to other people. And I'm gonna be doing more of this. Um, you know, as I've been telling you a couple of times in the past, some of the things that I'm going to be having coming up on the show are more kind of like throwback Thursday reviews where I revisit old movies or watch, I I say old movies. Some of them are just going to be from years past. Some of them are going to be from decades past. Um, you know, I'm going to revisit old films and kind of talk about them, give them the treatment that I'm giving some of this current media that's out. Uh, because I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff out there that I have thoughts on, but haven't necessarily had the chance to talk about. Um, and I really want to share my feelings on. So um, I'm in the process of kind of mapping out what that looks like, figuring out what films I'm going to do, figuring out what that release schedule looks like. So, you know, really stay tuned for that. I'm going to have you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be producing some stuff for that. So that will be coming soon. Um, but beyond that, you know, again, uh, I am part of the hard knock media collective hard NOC, uh, for the nerds of color. Uh, it's the media and podcasting arm of the Nerds of Color, um, your source for all things nerdy from the perspectives of people of color. Uh, they have a lot of great podcast shows like Hard Knock Life, which is the flagship for the Nerds, the flagship podcast for the Nerds of Color. Uh, Southern Fried Asians, which looks at the experiences of Asian Americans in the U.S. South, as well as uh, stuff like uh, DC TV Classics, that looks at how DC Comics kind of made their foray into TV. So. Um, lots of cool stuff to check out there. Hardnockmedia.com, hardnocmedia.com. So, and that's it. This has been another episode of Stay Watching. It's been good. Stay watching, fam. Peace.